Howdy doody, my fellow earthlings. I'm Teresa Beardsley, and welcome to my podcast, Backlot Action Force, a zero-waste guide for filmmakers and other people who go to work. Now, I'm not a scientist, and I'm a pretty lame environmentalist. Trash is just gross, and it destroys the planet, and I know I'm not alone in thinking that we can do better. And I know I'm not alone because I just called up my homegirl, Jessica Bluell. What's up, Jessica? Tell us who you are. My name is Jessica Bull, and I am a freelance and independent costume designer, and I have been for eight years. I graduated from uh, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, and I've worked on several films, web series, shorts, music videos, photo shoots, and festival projects. Radical. So I know that you don't work in the zero-waste space, but we've worked together um, on several occasions, and I just think you're really rad. And that's why I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to get your thoughts in general on sustainability on set. I think it's a good thing. I know it's not always easy to be sustainable on set. You know, we work long hours. We eat a lot of crafty and things of that nature. But I know that most of the sets that I've been on have tried to be conscious of the waste that we that we uh, leave. I've been on several shoots that provide water bottles for people. I know that one of the sets that we were on provided water bottles for us that we don't uh, use too much plastic. But yeah, most of the sets that I've been on try to watch how much they waste. Yeah, I I think that's true, especially with independent productions because you just don't have a lot of money to expend anyway. Right. Yeah, I Um, I think that they want to limit how much they spend and how much they they use and, and stuff like that. I think that's true. But even then, it's like the ridiculous amount of water bottles that people leave are like hanging around everywhere. <laughs> and like people make attempts, like like people like will tape a Sharpie to the table and they're like, only use this Sharpie to label your water bottle. And then, no, camera probably takes it. <laughs> you know, I know that I always carry a Sharpie on my, either on my apron or in my set bag so that if somebody needs to label their water bottles, they do. And hopefully they do. There's always water bottles. There's always water bottles on set. Where do they come from? I don't know. <laughs> the like, is that I think one of the issues is that, you know, especially when we work in hot lights and a hot set and things like that, we, we tend to get dehydrated. And so everyone's encouraging us to drink, but then we forget where we put our water bottles. And, and I know maybe the grip or the electric genie probably don't have time to label their bottles. Probably what yeah. they lost. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Then, like, well, I was just going to say that um, it's funny that nowadays we're practicing social distancing because it seems like nobody wants to drink out of anybody's water bottle that isn't theirs. So if it isn't labeled, they just discard it. Yeah, I think like that kind of thing was happening on our last set, too. Everybody's terrified of each other's germs, um, understandably. Right. <laughs> understandably I like it's it's crazy because like when you're in the thick of things and you're one of those people on set who never leaves like camera grip electric like those dudes you Jessica like when you're always on set it's hard to just keep track of those things and like I don't know about you but like at the end of the day like I don't know how much stuff I've consumed at all and just like 12 hours later I'm like oh yeah 
I have to admit, though, this is the first set, the last one that we were just on, the first set where I've ever seen styrofoam cups on set. And really, um, most of the sets that I've been on, if they're going to have cups, they're going to be paper or something that can be recycled. But this is the first time I've ever seen styrofoam cups on set. That's a, that's a first for me. Was that at the last location? Yes. Okay. I know that a lot of the sets that I've been on try to practice, you know, good uh, good recycle packs. So they always have a recycle bin as well as a trash bin, which is good. That, like, that set was kind of hard because, yeah, we only had access, because it was in the middle of nowhere, we only had access to their stuff, mm-hmm. which was all, like, the styrofoam. And I wanted to talk to the location, too, because, like, all they had was, like, all the styrofoam stuff, and they had, like, this, like the the silverware that was like the three plastic items wrapped up with a napkin, and then you also had a napkin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was a lot of stuff, and it was a lot of plastic. Well, I think in terms of utensils, we especially in film, we do tend to use plastic utensils a lot. You know, and those are not biodegradable. Those are not. You know, I don't even know if we can recycle them, but. I know for a fact that on set, we definitely use a lot of plastic utensils. I was on a set once where they did use, you had the option to use porcelain plates and uh, metal cutlery. And I think a lot of people like that. Oh my gosh, who's the carer? Do you know? (laughs) (laughs) I think we had a slightly bigger budget on that set, but but we did, we definitely, uh, they encouraged us to use uh, porcelain plates and metal utensils, and then they just had a bin, um, you know, like in restaurants where they collect all the. Where you put your plate and your utensils and your cups, and then they take them to be washed, and then they just recycle those by using them again after they've cleaned them. So that was that was actually really cool to actually be. Mm. And I, I, you know, I think the majority of the set just loved having the option not to use, you know, utensils and paper plates that we just throw away. Yeah. I think, honestly, like, it feels like you're eating at home more grown-up quality to it or more civil, civilized quality to it rather than what it feels like when you just have everything that's, like, disposable and you're just sitting under these canopies and you're like shoveling food in your face like it's the military. Right. There's a a sense of like, (laughs) you know, sit, eat, go. (laughs) Quick, disposable, but not necessarily better for the environment. Do you carry your own water bottle to set? Um, I try to. I have a thermos that I carry my coffee in, and when I finish my coffee, I rinse it out and I put water in that. I am not the best at carrying water bottles to set only because I have, unfortunately, so much other stuff to worry about. Um, mm-hmm. On sets when I don't have an assistant or when it's just me, I am carrying so many things. But I do make sure that I have that Sharpie with me so that if I do use a water bottle, I label it. And so I know it's mine and I don't, I try not to waste as many water bottles. I hope I don't waste as many. Um, but when I can, the thing is, it's very funny because I do have three water bottles from three different sets that were gifted to the crew and cast 
sometimes I bring those to sets, but I don't always remember because of all the extra stuff that I carry, which is something I have to work on. I mean, I've, I've seen all of your stuff that you have to carry. And like, I don't know. And like what you do on set. So I don't know how you can do without it. <laughs> like, I, like, how would you work on that? I don't even know. I just, I don't know. I just have to I have to remember to to just have a water bottle in my car, maybe just to have one in my car, so that I can always have it on set when I need one. I know that my my mother and my friends and you know my sister always, always, always have their water bottle that they carry with them at all times, and it's just it's something I have to I have to get better at. But yeah, I do tend to to label my water bottles when I use them, so I make sure that I always use that water bottle. It usually I pre- I'm actually really good now, but um, it took a, a while for me to remember to carry my water bottle on set. But especially because everything gets lost, and my my water right. bottle is bright red. <laughs> you can't miss it. Everybody knows it's mine. <laughs> this is the problem I think I have: is that my even when they gift you this water bottles on set, somebody would always lose one or misplace one. I know when I had the very first set that gifted us water mm. bottles. They were beautiful. They were metal. They were, you know, red, and they had the name of the movie, and then they all had our names on it. The director, was a, he called himself a tree hugger, so he, he made sure all our names were on it, and my name was spelled right. I was so excited. And, wow. Uh, and, and I remember we went from one location. We only had three locations, I think, and we went from one location to the next, and I thought I lost my water bottle, and it just... I was so upset, but Luckily, production was going around the set collecting them. So if they found one, they collected them and just left them in the production office so you could pick them up at the next location. But I know that probably some of the some of the things that people have is that they lose their water bottles, and so they don't want to take a water bottle to set in case they lose them. But a lot of people yeah. carry, like, generic-looking water bottles. You know, they're black or they're, you know... Right. I think people should carry, like, funky-looking ones, you know, Put a Disney character totally. on it, or a Marvel <laughs> character, um, and just make sure that this is your water bottle. Everybody knows it's yours, and and then if it gets lost, somebody knows. Oh, well, that's that person's water bottle, you know. Yeah. But I mean that, like I said, that production that used to collect them at the end of the night, because the director was so much, you know, he was so against plastic. He he made sure that the producers or the PAs were going around picking up water bottles that were labeled so that the crew could have them at the next location if they thought they lost them. So that was kind of nice. That was very nice. Oh, that's awesome. Did they have like a water cooler that you constantly refilled? Yes, there was. (laughs) My director was a huge fan of uh, Prince. And so there were two water coolers. There was one just for him with Prince's face on it. And the other one was for the crew. (laughs) Um, then on the second set that I was on, um, and I was the assistant for those two films, the, the costume designer was somebody else. Um, but the second film where they gifted us water bottles, what they did was they brought in this gigantic cooler filled with fall water, you know, the cucumber, tangerine, <laughs> strawberry kind of water. Yeah. And Crafty just made sure that that thing was full and filled with ice. And they were just like, yeah, just fill up your bottles, go there and fill up your bottles. So everybody wanted the salt water, so they just used 
the water bottles that they gifted us, and we just filled up our water bottles with that. And it was sort of like a motivation to keep using our water bottles. Oh. So they didn't even have um, uh, the plastic water bottles present? No. No. These two, these two, what they did have, what they did offer in case you lost your water bottle or you left it at home or you misplaced it, they did offer paper cups as an alternative, but there was no plastic bottles on set. The metal water bottles had the clip. So a lot of the crew members were clipping them to their uh, belts and their pants. You know, they didn't have to place it, put it down or misplace it. They could just carry it on them. Ooh, that's so smart. (laughs) It was really great. It almost felt like a luxury because here we were, all of us, we got there to set the first day and there were the water bottles lined up and each one had our names on it and the name of the production. And it was just like, great. We feel so special. It made us feel great. It made us feel taken care of, you know. Aww. Yeah, it was a nice gesture. But it also was the waste of, of plastic bottles, which was great. Yeah. That's like always a great thing to see. I always get super nervous because I feel like, um, you know, when you're on set and you're moving like a production truck and you're moving from place to place and who knows, like maybe it's in the middle of summer and, um, and you know how like when like the sun beats down on plastic water bottles and it gets really hot, you know, in the backs of trucks and cars and all that. And it, the plastic can literally change the chemistry of the water that's inside of it. Yeah, I, that's another thing that plastic does that a lot of people don't seem to realize. But a, a lot of people who like to bring glass bottles don't because they don't want them to break. And metal can sometimes become very metallic tasting after a while. Mm-hmm. But it's still better than than the melted plastic in your car or in the back of a grip truck. You can taste the change in the water, you know? Yes. And it can't be good for you because it's it tastes synthetic. It makes the water taste synthetic, and it can't be good for you. When we're on set, it, a lot of people have like gone through health problems. You know, like um, like I think like Junior has gone through like all these like heart surgeries and cancer surgeries and all that. Like he's gone through everything, and if you have like health things going on, like you can't really have. Like car, like that kind of like carcinogenic like plastic water. <laughs> like I don't know. It's just I feel like it's just not good for you. And if you already have health stuff going on, it's just it's just even worse. I'm also like a hypochondriac. I'm like, oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially going through like all of my health stuff. I'm like, uh, anything. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's. Do, in order to be healthy, you have to drink plenty of water, and you got to drink healthy water, and you got to drink the water that's not contaminated by plastic. Ah, uh, totally. <laughs> and then again, you know, it's not just the water bottles that that are. I mean, there's all the candy and the chips and the cookies and the, you know, <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> yeah, single use crafty options. But it's so funny because I've been thinking, like, how do you replace that? You know what I mean? Because you have to have a, you have to have snacks on set, period. And especially now, like with with COVID and all these weird germs going around and viruses, right. like right. it's so important that things are individual. And I, like honestly, I think that 
that's something that's not going to change. Like, I, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen in terms of distancing and seeing what's going on with how the film industry is going to change and the culture because of the viruses and, and all this. You know, I, I don't know. How do you replace, like, individual, like, trail mix, you know, or chips or whatever? I mean, you could package them in more biodegradable packaging. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the kind of packaging that will last forever and ever and ever, you know. But that's not a that's mm. not a film thing. That's more of a manufacturing thing, you know. If, if manufacturers or, or uh, companies that make these snacks package them in more biodegradable uh, materials, then we can recycle them. We, it might not be terrible for the environment if you make a packaging material out of something that will eventually biodegrade and actually help the environment as opposed to hurt the environment. Um, I know that when I was at SIDM, um, we had a lecture on textiles and they were going through all these different textiles to make them biodegradable so that when you're done with them, they will eventually deteriorate instead of clog up the environment. And I know that a lot of people were using uh, milk and banana skins and coconut husks and glass and tape dispensers to, to recycle to make fabrics out of. And then they were wanting, they also wanted to manufacture, at the time they were talking about manufacturing an, um, sort of a digital clothing, like a T-shirt that you could change the face and color of. So that you wouldn't have to keep buying new T-shirts. You just program your T-shirt to say or look however you want it. That's futuristic stuff. That's that's. But we did. We had we had samples of clothing made from milk and samples of suede made from banana skins. And there was a dress that was made entirely of recycled um, tape film. And they took a a Walkman without the lid and they hooked it up to headphones and they waved it over the dress and it was like you could listen to the dress. It was like a, it didn't make there was no music, but it was like a sonar sound. So they were doing all these things, trying to recycle all these things to to make new textiles and also biodegradable textiles so that we're not clogging up the planet with all this extra stuff. Because synthetic fabrics maybe were great in the 70s, but they're still around today and they're not going anywhere. Polyester is one of those synthetics that just don't go anywhere. But again, that's a that's a that's a manufacturing thing. I think. First of all, this is so badass. I didn't <laughs> know you could make a dress out of banana skins. <laughs> I'm just curious. Do you think that um, are there people doing that? There are people trying to make faux leather out of banana skins, as far as I know, um, which I think is is uh, more for you know, animal cruelty and using fur and, and faux fur and things like that as a, as a replacement for actually using animal skin. Um, because I know a lot of companies and especially a lot of consumers are, are moving more towards the cruelty-free market. Yeah. So if you make suede or leather out of banana skins, you know, we throw away banana skins all the time. Millions of people eat bananas. Um, and if you take those banana skins and you turn them into leather or suede and you make them garments that people want to wear that feels almost real, it's like, well, it's much better because you're recycling the material. And then if the material has the ability to biodegrade in, let's say, 50 some odd years or 
20 years or 10 years or however long it takes, you know, that it's better for the environment because it's an organic material. So right. That's, that's a lot of things that people were talking about at FIDM and during the textile uh, lecture and all that. Very interesting. Well, I really I especially enjoy oh. the digital fabric. How, wait, how does the digital fabric work? So it was just when when we were when we were studying it when we were when it was in uh, talks. It's basically like um, like your your phone or a screen, you know, that's made up of. I mean, I don't know how to make phone screens, but it's basically like a phone screen, and you just basically program your clothing to have whatever logo or picture or color you want it to have. I know that uh, Lacoste did this huge Lacoste polo of the future where one of their advertisements for the future was a shirt that could change color. Um, obviously, it was, a, it was a, a marketing thing because they were trying to inspire future, uh, future clothing and future garments. But the idea is that you could you could program, kind of like you program your phone or you program your computer to say and do whatever you want just by, you know, hooking it up or, or punching in some numbers or something. I'm not completely what? sure how they, they did it, but they were talking about programming your clothes so that you can change the color and, and design on the T-shirt as opposed to having to go out and buy a new T-shirt. So if you feel like you want to wear blue, you can change the color of your shirt to blue. If you feel like you want to have, you know, Snoopy on your shirt, you can program it so that Snoopy appears, you know. What? So like, <laughs> so digi- digitalized clothing <laughs> is one of the things that they were talking about, you know, eight years ago when I was, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how they've developed it or even if it took off or if people thought it was a good idea, but I know that it was one of the things that people did talk about. That is really awesome. I mean, I think that's, that's pretty cool, especially if you really like to change it up all the time. And I can see how that would change the world of costuming, too. Mm-hmm. What a trip. Do you want to talk about your department a little bit? I know sometimes you purchase, like, multiple, like, pieces for a scene, like a queen version and one that you kind of mess up and all that. and. I don't know if you want to talk about the process. So usually if a if a movie requires that a character either gets dirty, gets wet, gets beat up, gets flood, you know, things like that, we tend to buy multiple outfits, um, with multiples of the same outfit so that we can distress it or take it to different levels of distress uh, to show passing of time or, or, uh, or we keep one distress for scenes when a character is just in a distressed look and not getting distressed. And we always have what we call a hero look, which is the clean look, the clean version of that. And I remember when I was at school, a lot of costume designers would say, if you have two multiples, you have no multiples. And so you should always have at least three. But I try, because again, it's about uh, budget and things like that. I try to Mm -hmm. see what we can save so we don't have to purchase, especially with a small budget. You know, you don't want to waste money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I try to see what I can save so that maybe a shirt isn't as distressed or it can be cleaned. Like, if it isn't torn or bloodied, it can be cleaned and used again. 
And plus there's lots mm. of materials that we use like schmear powder and schmear sticks, which are washable. Um, makeup blood and costume blood are washable. Uh, prop blood is not. <laughs> prop blood is a completely different animal. Um, really? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Prop blood will stain everything red. Um, what? Unless, unless it's a specific, unless they've, unless they've perfected it. I'm not a prop master. I'm not sure if they've updated their blood since then, but I know that a lot of prop blood that I've used in the, that have been, that have come into contact with me in the past have not been able to be washed out. They stain, they stain the floor, they stain the costume, they stain your hands. Um, so when using when using costumes, you always want to use costume blood or makeup blood because that stuff will wash out. Um, oh my gosh! I had I literally had no idea. I don't know. I'm like blood is blood, <laughs> you know. You're right, right. Well, then there's also different consistencies. Some bloods are made out of chocolate, so they're ingestible. Some bloods are not, you know. So it's, so blood is very different when it comes to um, props and costumes and makeup. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to that stuff, I tend to, you know, clean whatever I can. And then there are sometimes you buy multiples because an actor has been in a costume for days and, you know, you just, they just want a fresh costume and sometimes you can't always clean it. So you get a second one so that they, they, um, they feel more comfortable. I try to clean as many costumes as I can before breaking in a new one. (laughs) so to speak. But, you know, <laughs> it, it happens. Sometimes it just sometimes it just happens. You definitely need multiples of things like underwear, stockings, and socks. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it does happen where actors would like to have, you know, something fresh. And so you do give them something fresh. And if they're in the same costume, for the whole movie, because I've done movies like that as well, where they're in the same costume for the whole movie, you might just want to get multiples because washing a costume too much could fade it if you don't wash it right. So you want to make sure that there's at least a clean option, you know, for the actor. Our show, our movie is like, so I know in equity theater, like your costume has to get washed every time, mm-hmm. like every night. Is that similar to film at all? I never even thought about this. <laughs> do you have to wash? Do well, you have to I like do, wash? I do like to wash their costumes. I <laughs> I love wash costumes because they do. They are human beings and they sweat. Um, and costumes can get dirty. But there are times when it's not like when we're up in a mountain and there's no washing machine. Um, there are <laughs> when I can't get to a washing machine. And that's when the breeze and vodka and water come in and, you know, and all that, all that stuff that we try to keep, you know, we also take certain precautions, you know, steaming clothes doesn't just make them wrinkle free, but it also sort of disinfects any kind of bacteria that's maybe been in the costume. I know it sounds gross. I I really do like to wash costumes. Um, But again, there are times and sometimes, I've been with actors who don't want their costumes washed. It's their character, and they prefer the costume to stay as is. I even had actors who wanted to uh, distress their own costumes instead of having me do it because they felt like it was more their character. So, really, that's, that's yeah. I've I've had actors who wanted to make their own mess, 
basically. Um, <laughs> because they just felt that that's what their character is. They're in character, so they want to to distress their own costume. I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but there is a level of realistic distress and cartoony distress. And depending on what kind of film it is, you don't want it to be cartoony. You want it to be a little more realistic. Right. Yeah, you're like, do I trust you? <laughs> well, I'm usually in the room with them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's good. That's different. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, I know, like, one of the things that you're famous for in our circle is that you always get as many returns as possible. Um, do you mostly purchase your items? And what's, like, the story with that kind of life cycle? Do you buy them, um, give them to the actors, give them to, like, what is done when they're all kind of, like, worn and done? Like, how much do you return and then how much do you still have left over, typically? If I can return something, what we do is I try to return the stuff I know we're not going to use and the stuff we don't use. You know, I, I go to stores where I know they'll accept returns, and I return whatever we don't use. Directors and producers like to see a lot of options. So, unfortunately, when you're when your director or producer like options, you have to buy as many options as you can. But then maybe more than half of those things don't get used. So, I tend to return the stuff that I can return. If it's a rental, it goes right back to the rental house. Um, but then there are moments when you when I purchase things from thrift stores because the directors want an aged look or you can only find what you're looking for at a place like Goodwill that doesn't do returns. At the end of the day, when we're done with the costumes, what generally should happen is the producers or the production should take back the costumes. They paid for it. They should take it back. And whatever came in my kit stays with me. And then, of course, an actor, if they want, they'll go to the production and say, hey, I'd like to purchase my costume. And maybe the producers will be like, yeah, well, you can purchase it for however much the costume designer purchased it. Or... We'll just give it to you. Um, and if it's from my kit and I know I'm not going to use it again, I'll give it to the actors. But um, mostly what what happens with me, and I don't know if this happens with other independent costumes on it, but with me, most most of the time, the producers make me keep everything. Really? <laughs> Which is, you know, for me, it's not the most ideal situation. My entire house is filled with my kit and my kit just keeps growing. So I have done this thing that after a year, if I haven't heard from a director or if I haven't heard, you know, we're not doing pickups or shooting new scenes or doing reshoots, I will donate all whatever was for that production. I will give it to Goodwill. I will give it to um, a, a thrift store that I know that they'll sell it. Um, because I can't, I mean, they're basic pieces. Sometimes I'll keep them if they're specialty items from period pieces or uniforms. I'll keep them. If I made them, I'll keep them because that's something I made for production. <laughs> but generally I like to donate the stuff where I know they'll go where people can purchase them. Um, or, 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 you know, or sometimes friends want them. I mean, after a year, I don't want to keep the costumes because if I haven't heard from them in a year or the film um, is premiered, I'll, I'll start to donate um, because it's just a lot of stuff. And, and unfortunately trends, especially if it's a contemporary film, trends change. So it was popular like two years ago, might not be popular 
today. And so what I have from two years ago might not work for anyone today unless it's for a background. So unless I really think I'm going to need it, I'll hang on to it. But at the end of the day, if the production doesn't take it from me, I will I will donate it. How often do you um, keep up with trends? <laughs> Every time I do a contemporary film, I keep up with trends. <laughs> um when you're doing a contemporary film, you're kind of at the mercy of the trend. If you're, I love doing period pieces because, you know, you know what you're looking for. There's a specific style. But when you're doing trends, when you're doing modern contemporary films where everything takes place today, then you really have to, you just go and look at magazines from today. You go into the stores and look at what's great in the stores today. And that's what you, you draw your inspiration and, you know, you, you pick out your characters based on certain styles you see in stores. That's how I keep up with trends. It's not a very, it's it's not a very complicated, I mean, you can do all the latest research and fashion magazines, things of that nature, but most of my characters and most of the characters that I get are people who are real people. They're not, you know, they're not fashion models and not playing, you know, mm-hmm. upscale anything. They're playing normal, regular people. And the best place to, and unfortunately with, COVID and everything, but the best place to find, you know, ordinary people is outside (laughs) in malls and shopping centers and, you know, just every day. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you, you know, unless somebody's supposed to be super fashionable, you know, Mm -hmm. my my characters tend to be more real and down to earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, so that's how I keep up with the trend. Style, I, I don't style people. I create characters. I know a lot of costume designers who have a great sense of style and who can style people like you can't believe. Um, But at the end of the day, we're building a character. And so for me, you know, keeping up with the trends is only, um, it's only beneficial if I have a character who's that kind of character. Other than that, Mm -hmm. it's just what looks good and what works for that particular character. Are you ever asked to shop in Actors Closet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. All the time. <laughs> when doing um, when doing independent films, especially shorts, and uh, not so much music videos, but definitely shorts and independent films, um, yes, I am asked to, you know, fall on the mercy of the actors and ask them if they would let us use some of their clothing. And most of the time they're very happy. A lot of the actors love to wear their own shoes because their shoes and they're comfortable in it and they've worn it. They've broken them in. A lot of actors, I've met an actor who loved wearing his own clothes. He was so excited. He loved wearing his own clothes. Um, Unfortunately, he couldn't wear his own clothes for the whole film, but he loved wearing whatever I asked him to put on. Um, and and sometimes it's sometimes it's it's good and the actors are very nice and very sweet and they'll let you look through their closets and, and you know, oh yeah, this would be great for a character and sometimes you put together outfits they themselves didn't even know would go together. I've had lots of actors go, Oh, I didn't know that looked like that. That's cool. I'm gonna have to wear this like that more often. Um Aww. but sometimes you get some sometimes you get some actors who are not comfortable using their own clothes and that's totally fine. It's um you know, it's it's it is what it is. They're your clothes. You spent money on them. You don't want them to get dirty. You know, and I'm not going to push for any actor to wear anything that has 
sentimental value or anything that is so expensive and, and you know, one of their prized mm-hmm. possessions. It's just not something that I'm going to do because, you know, actors sweat, they get dirty, they, mm-hmm. they get emotional. There's all these things that go on in, in their characters, even if it's a comedy and it's not, it shouldn't, they shouldn't have to sacrifice their own stuff for, yes. for a film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but mostly, if I, if I, the, the only thing that I really like having actors lend us is shoes. <laughs> I love <laughs> actors lending us shoes because they, they're comfortable in them. And most of the time, the actors um, have a great sense of what looks good on their feet. Um, so I'm, I'm, I love when they let us use their shoes. I, but again, I'm not going to push if they don't want to. It's, it's, you know, there's nothing that says you are obligated to use your clothes and they can refuse me at any time. And I'm totally fine with that. Do you feel like if they don't, I'm just curious, <laughs> like, for like <laughs> this is my personal knowledge. This is nothing to do with this podcast. <laughs> um, do you feel like if they refuse and like, what if you're um, like, have you ever run into a situation where the production just doesn't have a budget for it? Yeah, there have been times when we just, I think one of the first few films that I ever did out of school was student film. And we, you know, student film has a very, 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 very tiny budget. And luckily the actors during those films knew they were working on student films and didn't mind lending us their clothes most of the time. I have run into actors who don't want to use their shoes or their clothes, and we have a very, very, very small budget. Um, and it's just a question of, well, what's the necessity? You know, what what do we absolutely need to have on set, and what don't we absolutely... I, I will... I shouldn't, but sometimes I, you know... I sacrificed some of my kit fee to uh, to make sure that the actor is comfortable. I shouldn't do it, but I do it because I want my actors to be comfortable. <laughs> but but there's but this very to be honest, it's very rare. It almost never happens. There's always a way to make mm-hmm. sure that the actor and the director get what they want without having to you know tap into a fund that isn't there. Um, it's it's it, there's always a way. You know, we're we're in the we're in the business of making miracles happen. So we make them happen. You know, mm-hmm. that's true. We have to. <laughs> right, we, right. Which is why I like to get approval from directors on costumes right away. I know that they'll change their minds, and I know that it's it's not uncommon. And I know that you you know it's always nice to have extra multiples or extra articles of clothing on set in case the director decides on the day that you know what i really don't like that color and i do like this color but if i know for certain that a director hates an article or is really not feeling a garment then i'll return it right away and get the shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how i that's how i make my compromise i will if i know a director really really doesn't like something i'll return it and i'll get the shoes and that way, everybody gets what they want. Is there anything in your department or that you just see generally that you're like, it's about waste, right? So, like, is there anything that you're like, oh, I wish that we could just cut this out or cut this down or, or um, anything that you see is just, like, super annoying? <laughs> super annoying? But one of the things that I noticed is that 
as as costume designers, as people who work in the costume department, we use a lot of labels, um, a lot of paper and a lot of labels. And then one, and we're, we're required to write on these labels in ink so that we can, they can be read and nothing can be erased. So, you know, in case of anything, um, but we do use a lot of labels and, and once those labels are used, that's it. <laughs> And I don't know what mm-hmm. other costume designers do with their labels, but what I like to do with my labels is because I don't, if again, if I don't, if we have a small budget and if, you know, to reduce the amount of waste, I will tape over my labels from the previous production and just reuse them um, mm-hmm. because they're still good. They're still strong. They still work. They just have writing on them. And since you can't erase the ink, you either tape over them or you can paint over them and just reuse the label so that you're not constantly buying paper labels, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I think would work. Also, reusing all that stuff um, in your kit, you know, I think also is a is a good way of of uh, not wasting stuff. Um, but yeah, nothing that really annoys me. Not not. Most costume designers that I know and most costume designers that I've worked with, they're very, you know, because they know they're working with limited funds, so they're they're very efficient and they don't waste a lot. Um, I know I know a costume designer who uses scraps of paper as a label, which is like, hey, that's cool. They're recycling scraps of paper. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I think... Yeah, I don't think there's anything that really annoys me about my department. Maybe the dyes. Maybe the dyeing process is one of the things that I know causes a lot of damage to the environment. And oh, really? Yeah. What is the what I, is the dyeing process? Well, it's just a, it's just a chemical, you know. It's 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 just a, a the chemical, and it's not good for you, you know when you pour all that out. Where are you going to pour it out in? And I know that the fumes from the chemicals are not safe um, for mm. people. That's why there are specific people who do dyeing and stuff like that. I, you know, when I tea dye stuff or when I coffee dye stuff, I tend to do it with coffee or tea because it's organic and it can be washed and mm-hmm. um, it takes down the brightness of white so that clothes are a little more uh, ready for camera. But I think maybe the dyeing process is probably something. And the synthetic fabrics, I think, are the ones that I'm not. I don't like synthetic fabrics. I try not to buy oh, them yeah. when I can, especially because sound doesn't like synthetic fabrics. <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, polyester tends to get, you know, very scratchy against the mic. Wool gets scratchy against the mic, even though that's not synthetic. But I know that polyester, um, you know, it, it's like rubbing your feet with socks on carpet and then you get a shock. It's kind of the mm. same as polyester. If you rub polyester against itself, you'll get that shock. And I, you know, they're not breathable materials. They're not, you know, I know that people are doing wonders with polyester and, and, and now it almost looks like silk and it feels like silk, but you can always tell when something's polyester because it'll stick to itself or if you rub <laughs> it, it'll spark or something. And so I, I like more organic fabrics. I know that's not a possibility in my line of work to use only organic fabrics, but if I'm going to buy mm-hmm. fabric from like downtown LA, I try to lean towards something a little more um, organic 
or even a blend and less of something just 100% polyester or 100% of, uh, of rayon or something like that. Right. And like polyester is like super affordable to people. Yes. Often and like I said before, that. you know, like I said before, 1970s when the polyester was out and it's still, still out. <laughs> like any of those farmers, <laughs> if you find them, they're still intact, unwrinkled, still intact. <laughs> polyester is wow. one of those really tough fabrics that takes a lot of, you know, water and oil and all that stuff. Mm. So what is your best advice? for making the world a better place? <laughs> like in general or for our industry? <laughs> in general or in the industry. I don't know, like off the top of your head, just like what do you think, like what is your best advice to give to people? We just need to take care of each other, you know? We're so wrapped up in the me, 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 and, um, you know, I want to be better than you. I want to be richer than you. I want to be this. I mean it. As, as, a, as a human race, we just need to take care of each other. You know, we need to be there for one another. Like, we're, like right now, during this really difficult time, you know, we're, we're, we're together, but we're apart kind of thing. But we're still supporting each other. We mm-hmm. understand that what we do affects the other person and that affects somebody else. And I think we've, we've sort of lost sight of that. And this, this whole pandemic has sort of made us see it again kind of thing. And I'm not saying it's great. The pandemic is awful and it's it's a terrible thing that's happening. But that being said, the air has gotten cleaner. Animals are coming out of hiding. You know, the planet is doing better, but we are also sort of figuring out what is ne- what is a necessity for us, you know, we're mm-hmm. learning how to live with what we really need and what we don't and what and what we don't need. Like the fact that we, we're not even driving as much, mm-hmm. you know, just look in a month how much it's improved the environment. Um, but I think, again, looking out for each other, supporting each other, being there for each other, understanding that we're not just a planet with borders and countries but we're a we're a worldwide community of people this is our home if we just look after each other i think that would be the best possible thing to happen for for us and for the environment and for the planet you know if we realize what's important which is us you know not things not stuff because that's what this waste is that's what waste is waste is just a large amount of stuff it just doesn't matter you know we matter Human beings matter. The planet matters. The animals matter. You know, I think if we just support each other and and realize that we we affect each other, that that would make this place a little better. Uh, I think that's so true. Well, well said. Well said. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> I could talk to you forever. <laughs> Aw, I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too. Yeah, we'll, we'll, when this is all, we'll get coffee and hug, and everybody will be fine. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. And like, once we get this reshoot going to <laughs> to the pickup. Oh, I know. And- 
Okay, that concludes our podcast for the day. But if you stick around for a minute, I'm plugging in Jessica's gluten-free um, banana bread recipe, which is pretty amazing. If you want to continue to support this podcast, please follow us on social media. That's Action Force, but it's spelled A-X-N Force. Um, Backlot Action Force was too long, so it's A-X-N Force. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you could be looking for. Um, it's Backlot Action Force on Pinterest if you're interested in following different things that we're following. If you want to take your support for this podcast to the next level, check out our Patreon page for Backlot Action Force because there are some pretty cool perks on there. If you ask me, mostly they're designed to build a strong community of professionals who are dedicated to reducing waste. I just want to quickly shout out Jeremy Robinson for this original sound design and the original song. Um, thanks, J-Rob. You're the best. Now, here's Jessica's recipe. So easy. So good. It's such a simple recipe. I can tell it to you right now. Okay, tell me. I'm making it tonight. <laughs> okay. So it's two cups of oatmeal, just the non-cooked one, you know, the dry stuff. Uh-huh. It's two large eggs. Um, it's three, three bananas, three ripe bananas. Uh-huh. It's um, a teaspoon of baking soda, and then a fourth a cup of maple syrup or agave or honey or whatever you use for, for sweetening. A fourth of a cup honey. of? Of a cleaner of your choice. Honey, agave, you know, maple syrup. The recipe calls for maple syrup, but I don't have any, so I use agave. Mmm, maple syrup. (laughs) (laughs) And then you just put all that in a blender and blend it and take a loaf pan, lightly grease it, pour in the uh, the batter. Uh, You had to preheat the oven to 350 and you cook it for like 20 20 to 25 minutes and you're done. What? Yeah, that's it. Oh, it's super easy. 25 minutes? (laughs) 20 to 25 minutes, yeah. I mean, you oh my god! Close, but you know, you take a toothpick or whatever in it to make sure that it's cooked inside. But yeah, that's it.